0: You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day.
0: You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I cover the Chicago Bears for NBC Sports Chicago, and I cover the NFL for Pro Football Focus. Locked On Bears is your podcast destination for Chicago Bears news and analysis. And so today we'll dive into this 53 man roster and take a look at how it all came together here. I'll be joined by Robert Zaglinski from Windy City Gridiron and the Rock River Times. We'll take a look at some of the biggest decisions that went into shaping this team and some of the surprises across the roster. Before we bring him on, uh, I'll give a little bit of a bigger picture look at this 53 and, and talk about a player I got wrong as we tried to go through some predictions at the end of the preseason. So let's start there. I said on this podcast I didn't think Kevin Tolliver was going to make this Bears 53 man roster, and I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. You know, we're we're all guessing here. We're all trying to get in the heads of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and do our best based on the information that we have. And based on the information I have, I saw a guy who is a raw cornerback prospect with a lot of upside, but a a guy that's not playing a ton of special teams in the preseason. Really not getting an extended look there. Like we had talked about with Javon Wims, you want to see these young guys that are going to be sitting on the bottom of your depth chart contribute on that third phase. And, you know, you don't have to be a four-phase special teams ace as a rookie especially as an undrafted rookie free agent just trying to learn this defense all at the same time but you wanted to see a guy who was steadily contributing in that area if he was going to make the bottom of this roster and I thought with the way that Michael Joseph continued to get playing time there that Deron Grant continued to get playing time there I thought those two would be ahead of Tolliver when it came to Shaping this 53-man roster Joseph ultimately ended up on the practice squad I thought that would be the case for Tolliver But instead he makes it and Cravan LeBlanc doesn't And that was a a huge surprise to me Get into it more with Robert Zaglinski later on in the podcast But Cravan LeBlanc is practice squad eligible And he chooses not to ride the bench in Chicago He goes to a division rival The Detroit Lions to sit on their practice squad because supposedly reportedly he felt like they have a better depth chart in terms of potential opportunities for him to move up someday. But of course, sitting on the practice squad wouldn't limit the Bears from being able to bring him back if at some point down the line they do change their mind. And LeBlanc was valuable. You know, he he could play the slot cornerback position. He could play outside. You saw a lot of upside when he had been on the field, and he had had a lot of opportunities on the field due to injuries at the cornerback position. And he was a big special teams player as well. And again, that's something that Tolliver hasn't shown a great ability to provide just yet. And that was a big concern for me as I was shaping this 53-man roster, that with Tolliver not being a big special teams guy, Javon Wims not being a big special teams guy, you got to find some special teams somewhere and you look across this roster and you can kind of see the core coming together here. It's, you know, Benny Cunningham, Michael Burton, the fullback, another semi-surprise on this roster, Josh Bellamy, Ben Broniker, Daniel Brown, of course, Sheriff McManus, Sam Ocho, Dion Bush on defense. Throw Isaiah Irving in there. And then you can kind of bring along, you know, Javon Wims and Kevin Tolliver and and Kylie Fitz and Joel E.A. Booneyway. And then, you know, when DeAndre Houston Carson gets healthy, he'll be a key guy there. Nick Kwiatkowski, I think, when he gets out of the starting lineup and Roquan Smith takes over, he'll be a, a pretty important member of special teams as well. So you're seeing some some flexibility there. Some, uh, you know, enough bodies at the position. Evidently, Chris Tabor, the special teams coordinator, wasn't too concerned when it came to shaping this fifty-three man roster. You're not seeing too many decisions that were purely special teams based, but there were a few decisions that I wonder if could be injury based. There's a few guys on this roster that are that are on the fifty-three right now, and I wonder if at some point down the line their spot could go if and when a player gets healthy. You know, I look at Rashad Coward on the offensive line, who i also talk with Robert about a little bit, but with Bradley Sowell banged up, you know, I wonder if Coward is here short term until Sowell gets healthy and then Coward could be a practice squad candidate afterward. You know, I, I'm not necessarily sold that another team would pick him up and put them on their 53-man roster, but I, I do agree he is a, a high upside offensive tackle and, and someone that could have a long-term future here in Chicago. Just curious as to whether or not that long-term future is on the practice squad in the immediate future, given Bradley Sowell's health, and a more obvious one at the tight end position. You've got five of them, well, four, because Adam Shaheen was officially placed on injured reserve. Uh, He can be designated to return, which is expected to happen once his foot injury gets better. So I would assume that once Shaheen gets healthy, that could knock Ben Broniker off the 53-man roster because he is still practice squad eligible. And, you know, you still keep Daniel Brown because he's not practice squad eligible. And and that's going to happen, you know, much farther down the line because because of the injured reserve designation. So not something Broniker should be too worried about just yet, but it's looming at that position. And the last one, just I, I don't know if this is a real concern, but with outside linebacker, you, you know, you add Khalil Mack, all of a sudden, the depth issue is much less of a problem. And Aaron Lynch is still hurt, so it's good to keep bodies there. But I wonder if, once he's healthy, the Bears might consider trimming down to five there and adding some more depth somewhere else. Whether that's in the secondary, where you're a little bit limited on safeties and experienced cornerbacks, or maybe a fourth running back from the practice squad. One way or another, you know, when Aaron Lynch is healthy, the Bears could release Isaiah Irving or Kylie Fitz, you know, I think Kylie Fitz is probably your sixth best outside linebacker, but he might be less inclined to make the practice squad, whereas I don't know if Isaiah Irving has shown enough to warrant a roster spot elsewhere, so just in terms of of how stashable they are, Irving might be the one more likely to get the axe there, but either way, I mean, Aaron Lynch has not shown a lot of ability to stay healthy long term, so I wouldn't be too concerned there, and I'm not I'm not necessarily expecting that to happen even when Aaron Lynch comes back. When we come back here on Locked on Bears, we'll be joined by Robert Zaglinski and and we'll go a little bit more position by position here to some of the key decisions that shaped the 53-man roster. Keep it locked here on Locked on Bears. Joining us now on Locked on Bears is Robert Zaglinski. You can read his Chicago bears coverage at windy city gridiron and the rock river times. And you can follow him on Twitter at Robert Zaglinski. I'll spell that for you. It's R O B E R T Z E G L I N S K I. Robert, it's gotta be tough with, with a last name like that, trying to get people to your Twitter account, but it seems like you don't have too many issues uh, getting followers over there.
1: I don't have too many issues. I think that it makes me unique, Lauren. It it makes me stand out. Like the, Oh, here's that Bears guy with the last name we can't say, but he's good. He's, re- he's really good at what he does, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, you know, I find that my name tends to stand out for different reasons, but regardless, we can, uh, we, we can share that badge of honor.
1: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic.
0: Well, let's get into the latest and greatest from this weekend with the Bears. It, it has to start with Khalil Mack. Just initially, you know, we were talking about this a little bit off air, but what's your reaction to a move like this, I mean, I think for me, my first thing was like, okay, what's the compensation going to be here? But even beyond that, like for for this team and this trade in the whole, what's kind of your big picture takeaway from this?
1: Well, for, first of all, guys like Mac simply don't change teams in the prime of their career. At least they're not supposed to. And, and I'm not just talking about like the NFL. That's sports in general. Guys like Mac aren't supposed to go to a different team after being drafted by their original franchise. So. When they do, like, like this deal is going to be remembered for a long time. let just like that. The implications, those future legacy implications. Like, let's let's set that firmly in stone. What Mac will do for the Bears' defense, I think a lot of people understand that he's a superstar. I think they know that he's very very good. That he's like a top ten player, right? That he's someone. You can, you can build around that he's going to make Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, he's going to make them all better by his presence alone, even if he's not the one getting the sack, if, even if he's not the one making a tackle. But I don't think they know exactly how good he is. To me, he's the most complete edge defender in the NFL. I, I, I know that might sound a little hyperbolic to someone. Maybe, oh, maybe they'll say Von Miller. no, no, no. Khalil Mack is the best edge defender in the NFL right now. There's no one better than him at rushing rushing the passer and stopping the run. No one has more tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage than Mack since 2014. So you add a player like that to your defense for, what, the equivalent of the number six overall pick, let's say if the Bears are picking in the top ten next year? If they're the number 10 overall pick, which is what the Raiders got in the trade, you take that deal every time. You're adding a franchise player. You're adding not just like a franchise player, like, oh, what are the best players in your team? You're adding one of the best players in football, a guy that will do everything for your defense. I mean, that's a a very long initial thought, but he is that special, Lauren.
0: Well, it's interesting the timing that this whole thing came together because you've got Ryan Pace, you know, not only working the phones with the Raiders overnight, but trying to get his 53-man roster together. And you have to imagine as he's going through roster cuts here and, you know, the weekend's going along, he has to kind of have this in the back of his mind that this deal is going to get done and that this pass rusher is going to be joining his team. So do you get much of a sense here when you look at the 53-man roster, how much this Khalil Mack trade could have had an impact on it? Like, do you think Kasim Edebali potentially makes this team if the Khalil Mack trade doesn't go through? Or are we instead looking at the rest of the NFL's, you know, cuts and releases to try and find that next outside linebacker here?
1: Absolutely. I think if the Mack trade doesn't go through, Pace is much more desperate to go through some of those waiver cuts. I forget the... Uh, it sounds bad, but I forget the Saints linebacker that was cut—one of their former second-round picks,
0: like a Howli Kikaha or whatever. It's yeah,
1: that's that's someone they would for sure look at. That's a, that's a that's a serviceable guy. Um, they probably do bring back Bali and it's a, they're in much more dire straits on the edge. Um, I'm a little surprised they still ended up keeping guys like Isaiah Irving and Kylie Fitz. Be, even while adding Mac, that speaks to me just how much they value this edge position, even at, after adding the best guy in Mac. Um, but yeah, they, they 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 would have been more they would have been more aggressive. They would have went to the uh, DefCon one backup plan for sure.
0: <laughs> well, when you look at the way this kind of came constructed here, I don't know how long you've had to kind of parse through. The, the final moves here, and they're probably still up in the air and going to be changes here early in the week before the Packers game, but kind of based on where we sit now, what was the most surprising move on this 53?
1: I think adding Michael Burton, I, I know. It's like the, it's the fourth running back slash fullback, but I don't really see a fullback having a, a role in this offense. I mean, Michael, how many snaps... Most of the, not many of the bear starters really played that many snaps altogether. I I, I don't I don't even remember Burton playing play, having many repetitions in the preseason at all. I don't remember when I was I don't remember him featuring at all there when I was in, uh, when I was in July in July and in, in mid August. I, I, it's not really that big of a deal because Take Mazel isn't good and he's not an NFL player to me. Uh, Ryan All probably isn't really an NFL player either if we're being honest. Um, but why not have an actual tailback that can do more over a fullback that you're going to maybe play 10 snaps a game, um, if that? It's, 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 just, it's confusing to me. I, I, I know that's not really shocking. Um, I, I just wonder what their plans are offensively, what that says.
0: We'll get back to some more 53-man roster talk in a minute here, but first... I got to remind you about the Can't Miss event of the weekend, Saturday, September 8th. It's Bowling with Bobby Portis. Our friends Jordan and Matt over at the Locked On Bowls podcast somehow put this all together where you... Can go bowling with the forward of the Chicago Bulls, Bobby Portis, over at Kings Dining and Entertainment in Chicago. You can get autographs and there's a photo session as well. You can get VIP meet and greet tickets and they'll be doing a live recording of Locked On Bulls, too. So much going on there at Kings Dining and Entertainment. It's family friendly fun for you on your Saturday. 2 to 6 p.m., go to Locked On Bulls. Their Twitter page, their Facebook page has all the details. There's a link to where you can buy tickets, where you can meet Bobby Portis and go bowling with him. I mean, how cool is that? I think it's a great opportunity for all Chicago Bulls fans here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. We're talking Bears 53-man roster today on Locked on Bears with Robert Zaglinski from the Windy City Gridiron and the Rock River Times. And let's let's move on to a- another big spot here. The one that I might have thought was, you know, just personally thought was a- more surprising. This cornerback position with Cravon LeBlanc being released... He's a guy I've been a fan of, as a, just a, a younger guy with, again, he's not he's not starter quality yet, but has, has shown flashes, and Kevin Tolliver makes the roster instead, and the big question that lingers for me is, who's your backup slot cornerback right now? Because Bryce Callahan, the most games we've seen him play in a season is 12, so theoretically he's going to miss some time, And and I'm not seeing anybody on this roster with much slot experience that you feel comfortable with.
1: I think uh, this is one of those issues where uh, that's kind of just a hole that Pace had necessarily accounted for, and that he's willing to uh, that he's willing to ride base that is that he's willing to live with. Um, this team, let's I mean, let's be honest, they had a greater issue on the boundary. Um, Kyle Fuller and Prince Mukamara, Prince Mukamara in particular, isn't known for his durability, even last year he missed the first two games of the 2017 season, Um, they needed a developmental guy there that could potentially take over for the future. Uh, They needed more depth there um, just in in, in general. Uh, I I don't know that Tolliver is necessarily going to be that guy, but I understand understand going with him over, over LeBlanc. I, I, I understand that decision just based off of that position being valued more. What I don't get is someone like Marcus Cooper staying on over LeBlanc. Um, the, the, the veteran that's really not any good. That doesn't add much value as the, as the swing swingman boundary corner. Uh, you know what you're going to get with him. I don't understand that decision. Um, at this point, if you're the Bears, yeah, like you said, just just hope that Bryce Callahan doesn't miss any time. Um, especially for a team that's well that's that's been in like the nickel that's been in nickel packages for what sixty to seventy percent of the time the last two years, so um, you're just crossing your fingers at this point. And I believe
0: uh, I want to say it was Brad Biggs, one of the you know one of the big time beat reporters, indicated they thought the Bears could be looking for another cornerback. So it's, it's possible that 24 hours after we're recording this, there'll be another potential you know, slot cornerback off the street that might solve some of these problems. But when we look at, like, uh, Kevin Tolliver in particular... I mean, when you look at, at at all these young cornerbacks that they had and the backups with Deron Grant and Michael Joseph in there as well and Phil and LeBlanc, I mean, would, would Tolliver be the guy that you personally would keep? I, I mean, I see the physical upside there, but didn't see him a lot on special teams in particular, and Grant, I think, kind of made the bigger highlights with the interceptions, but from what you saw this preseason, how impressed were you with Tolliver, and did it surprise you at all that he was the one they chose to keep?
1: I was surprised a little bit that Tolliver was the decision. I I, I think... And part of it is because he's young. I think he lacks a lot of eye discipline. I I think he's a little stiff in his hips. Um, I think his awareness on the field is lacking a lot. I know he didn't stick out that much, but I personally liked Michael Joseph more. I thought he had excellent technique. I thought this was a guy that was physical and run support. I thought in... Obviously, in the moments, in the various moments that this defense um, had opportunities to shine in the preseason and in camp, uh, he was more than just a, like a great story coming over from Dubuque. He was a legitimate. He looked like a legitimate de- developmental corner that could have become something in two or three years. Um, so the, 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 that decision is a little perplexing to me. Um, I think going with Tolliver is more. Uh, he probably has the higher upside. He's if the Bears can unlock whatever he possesses, like, like like I said earlier, he could legitimately maybe be there like a starting corner, maybe take over for Prince mukamara in a year or two. Um, but just for the purposes of the 2018 season, the decision doesn't really make much sense to me.
0: Yeah, and it didn't seem like Tolliver was a guy they were at risk of losing to the practice squad, and they they stashed Mincy and Michael Joseph on the practice squad as well. So it seemed like it was kind of a take your pick thing there, and maybe if they if they bring on another cornerback Tolliver could end up getting the axe but for now he sticks on the roster another guy I'm curious if he's potentially facing a similar fate is Rashad Coward on the offensive line I, I know he played particularly well in his first action at right tackle especially for a guy still learning that position looked pretty serviceable Going against the backups, but he is the eighth offensive lineman right now. He he maybe wouldn't necessarily want to throw him at left tackle if you had to, but with Bradley Soule injured, he might be he might be that emergency guy there. But do you think when Soule gets healthy, they could move on from Coward and and just roll with seven offensive linemen, or do you think he's there to stay?
1: I think he's there to stay. I, I I personally think he's their third best tackle. That doesn't say a lot that a converted defensive lineman. Is the Bears that doesn't say a lot about about their depth that a converted defensive lineman is their third best tackle, but um, I I think they see Coward as their future on the right side. Um, Just it's 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 a little it's a little irresponsible I know to say off of six or seven weeks of. camp practices in the preseason, but if he continues on this trajectory, if they have that much faith in Harry Heastan as the offensive line coach and developing guys previously, um, I think they see Howard as a – or Coward as a building block down the line. I think they see him as valuable depth if if he had to step in later on this season. Um, I, I just think he played that well from mid-July to to now.
0: As we wrap up here with Robert Zaglinski from Windy City Gridiron and Rock River Times, I want to get your take now on this, you know, now that we have this full roster, you add Khalil Mack into the biggest position of need. You look across the board, where is the biggest... I guess, concern for you, even just from a depth standpoint? I mean, obviously the starting lineup is what it is at this point for the most part, but, you know, the depth that can still kind of be altered, where are you most concerned about this team?
1: Are we talking both sides of the ball? Yeah, anywhere. Okay, well, tackle for sure. I think that's I think that's the biggest weak point on the entire roster. Uh, Charles Landon was very good on the left side. I don't think he gets enough credit. Um, but if he gets hurt, the Bears are absolutely screwed. They, like, like, like I was just saying about coward, coward's fine, but you're not going to want to throw him into action on either side. And as a starter, Bobby Massey isn't really any good either. Um, I also think he, I think he gets, I think he gets too much flack. But he's, he's not, a, he's not a guy that's going to start necessarily for a championship offense, if that makes sense. Um, that's a minor issue. It's not as egregious as you know having Leonard Floyd and a bunch of guys on the defensive edge, but it still it still doesn't look it still doesn't look particularly great for the Bears right now at tackle. Um, it's a precarious situation, to say the least.
0: Well, Robert, I appreciate you coming on today and, and talking Bears fifty three man roster with us. Plenty of news over this weekend to get to, so I, I appreciate the help. Let the listeners know where they can find your work. I know you've got quite a laundry list of places that you continue to add new bylines, and I, I respect your hustle quite a bit. And also, uh, re-spell re- re- your Twitter handle, I guess, for everybody.
1: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Robert, Z-E-G-L-I-N-S-K-I. That's at Robert, Z-E-G-L-I-N-S-K-I, Robert uh, Zeglinski. I write for Winnie City Gridiron, the Rock River Times. going to be doing some stuff for the Athletic Chicago and pro football weekly this year as well. So keep an eye out there. Um, like you said, I, I appreciate those kinds of words. I appreciate those kinds of words learned. Um bylines everywhere. Trying to, trying to get out there.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a hustle game. We're all, we're all doing our stuff and I, I I'm happy to, happy to give you another outlet and, and take advantage of your analysis here on the podcast. Thanks for coming on.
1: Definitely. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks again to Robert Zaglinski for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, want to keep up with more daily Chicago Bears news and analysis, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. I say it every episode. You just got to hit a little button on whatever app it is that you're using that makes sure that you get us in your podcast feed every single day. Locked on Bears is also available on your smart speakers. If you just ask your personal assistant on there, whether it's Google or Amazon, to play the Locked on Bears podcast, they'll automatically bring it up for you and play it, whether you're in the car or around the house, whatever it is you do. Locked on Bears is easy to find easy to listen to and I hope it's something you truly enjoy because I love recording these podcasts for you. I love having conversations with smart football people and being able to share that with you, the loyal listeners. I hope you share it with your fellow Bears fan and just make us all more in an entertained and educated football consumers. Like I said, I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong on this podcast like I was with Kevin Tolliver and I hope as a result We can all just have an even better experience consuming Chicago Bears football because really what this podcast sets you up to do is bear down.